Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, Chief of Staff turned Executive Leadership Coach. In this series, we dive into the role of Chief of Staff, exploring how it can be a game changer and pivotal player on your leadership team. You'll get a backstage pass and learn about the different aspects of the role and what it takes to excel in it. We'll hear from some incredible guests who have firsthand experience serving as Chief of Staff or collaborating with one on their team. And don't forget, the Chief of Staff isn't just a title of person, it represents a leadership philosophy. Leveraging leadership is all about finding your points of greatest influence and leveraging them to better serve those around you. Eric, thank you so much for being on Leveraging Leadership. I'm so happy to, to talk with you and thanks again for, for agreeing to, to be on. Absolutely. Happy to be here and looking forward to the discussion. Awesome. So just to get us started, can you give us a quick like intro and backdrop of kind of your experience and background um, so people understand where you were coming, coming into the chief of staff role from? Absolutely. So as you know, I'm Eric. I currently serve as chief of staff for Zego. And how I got my start was I actually had a background in economics. And what really drew me there was I... I felt like numbers came naturally to me. And the little joke I like to say is I understand numbers enough to say be an analyst, but not enough to be an astrophysicist. <laughs> so I really enjoyed like, you know, delving to the theory of economics. And then after that, I got my MBA. It seems like the logical next step. No, economics is a lot of theory. And then MBA is more about the practicality, the application, honing both your soft and hard skills in that respect. Okay, gotcha. And then just for context, what does Zigo do? That's a great question. So Zigo is a property technology company. And what we do is we automate a lot of the manual processes for property management companies or homeowners associations. So for example, some of these manual processes might be, you know, paying rent or paying dues or sending out utility bills for, you know, water, sewer, trash, or connecting residents with their properties, you know, whether it's be a communication enabling residents to do something as simple as send a message to the property manager or something as mundane as picking up a package from the office, really streamlining a lot of these manual processes and giving time back to the property staff. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'll, I might hit you up afterward because I, I have a condo in Florida, so I'm a property manager there. So anyway, um, I digress. For Zigo, you've had number a number of roles at that company. So can you give us a little snapshot of kind of your career progression or role progression uh, within that company? So I first found my way to Zigo as a competitive intelligence analyst. And what really drew me to the role was, first off, the title. It sounds really interesting, cool, competitive intelligence. And that's not really something you typically see at other companies. It's you know called four or five years ago. I'd say it's a lot more common nowadays. And it folds into, say, called a product or product marketing arm. And that's how I was able to learn a lot about you know how those functions of the business work. And what was really unique about that role is you essentially do research about the market, about the industry, about competitors, and you distill that research into actionable insights for the leadership team. So research is something that I love to do. So it really, you know, I, it felt like a natural synergy for me and it helps me get exposure to different parts of the business. For example, competitive intelligence might mean one thing to a product team. It might mean something completely different to sales. It might mean something else to a success team. So learning how to best distill down this information for the unique needs of each department was really helpful for me and gave me great insight into how each team operates. Yeah, no, that's a, I want to call that out because 
a lot of people, they they research something or they know the numbers as in they can recite them back to you or they mm -hmm. can read your spreadsheet. But I think the critical part you mentioned is, what does this mean? So the question I would all often ask our, our financial team is like, what does that mean in real life? Like, what impact does that have to the business? And some of them were like, on C42, if I pivot table to, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, what does that mean like to our customers? Um, so, and I think you're right again in that, you know, what's relevant and helpful information to the sales team is going to be very different than the product team or engineering team, et cetera. So that's a, that's just a good, a good call out for any, any business person really when you're communicating information. But so you started there and then how did you get to be chief of staff? How did this role come about? So it was very interesting because after I you know, worked in product, I then springboarded to head up our revenue operations team, which really gave me a great view of, you know, how our revenue or go to operation, go to market operations team works. So sales, success and marketing, three different teams, all with one, you know, united purpose at the end of the day, which is to drive revenue for the company. And I was really able to understand, hey, what are the unique needs? of each of these teams to get a full understanding of what their day-to-day -day and strategic priorities look like. And I was able to really leverage that into my next role as chief of staff. And what helped empower me is the fact that I've worked closely with nearly every single facet of the business. And when people talk about the chief of staff, you'll hear the phrase like Swiss army knife. I think that's very true. Jack of all trades, also extremely true. Being able to uh, speak to each areas of the business really helped me, you know, drive alignment with the executive team. Gotcha. You're the first chief of staff in your company. By that title, it's done by a couple of different other ones. I know other companies will call it like director of strategic programs. Um, some will call it like strategic okay. initiatives, but I'd say it all falls under the same umbrella. And you had support from pretty high up. So your board came to you and said, we've seen success with this role in different, uh, in different areas. Previously, uh, Ziga was owned by a private equity firm. And so that's where the role really originated. They saw a lot of value in their portfolio companies ah, because okay. the chief of staff or the director of strategic programs really acts as a force multiplier there. It really helps the executives leverage their capabilities to the fullest extent. And that's while Ziga is now owned by Global Payments, this is something that really transitioned because we found a lot of value in it. So um, our president said, hey, I think this would be a really great opportunity for you. Um, you've done your time in product, you've done time in you know, a revenue arm. And I think that experience has really enabled you to step forward and you know, assume the mantle of chief of staff. Okay. And so you knew about the other aspects of the business, um, which by, by the way, the diverse background is a strength. A lot of people think I have to specialize in one thing, but that diversity of experience is a strength. And then when you moved into that role, I'm imagining that you had you had known these colleagues, these team members in different capacities before, because when you're different interactions with the different parts of the business, there's Eric, you know, so-and-so um, analyst or whatever. And now all of a sudden you're chief of staff. So how did you kind of build those new relationships or almost reset those those new roles? That's a great question. And in some ways, it did feel like a new relationship. And in some ways, it felt like the same relationship I built over the course of, you know, the past four and a half years. And I think that was really helpful because I've seen these people as part of an executive team. And that can be intimidating in some ways, but in some ways, it also wasn't because I've worked directly with them one on one year over year. 
really getting to know them and really getting that buy-in. I think what's interesting is when you have, say, a chief of staff coming in externally, you haven't had that time to really build those relationships to set that expectation to prove like, hey, here are the qualities I bring to the table. Whereas coming from the inside of the company, it does have its own sets of pros and cons, but I really did enjoy the fact that I already had these pre-existing relationships. You're a known quantity and you're, you're trusted. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, chiefs of staff do do so many different things. And I know whenever I was like, what what's a typical day as a chief of staff? I was like, let me stifle a laugh. I don't want to laugh in your face, but um, there is no such thing. But just to to give you know ex- an example or two, what types of projects would you work on? Obviously, don't have to go into any um, sensitive information, but just what types of things do you work on as a chief of staff? I would almost segment it into say three distinct categories. The first is very strategic, so acting as the bridge between the strategic minds of the executive team and to the rest of the business. And oftentimes you have executives thinking at the 10,000 foot level and they'll say, Hey, here's the number one goal for the company. That means one thing to the executives. And now the question is, how do we execute on that as a business and being able to, like I mentioned, distilling down that information to what it means for each team and communicating that to them effectively is a huge part of my role. And then I would say in line with those strategic initiatives, Sometimes, for example, might think, what does our product stack look like today? Are there any enhancements we can do? Are there any verticals that we want to tackle? And some of these things might be new to us. And so my president would tell me, hey, Eric, I want you to go figure this out. And this is something that we haven't done before. It's really new. And I relish that challenge in some ways because no one really knows about it. And it's my job to become a miniature expert, help the business understand what this opportunity looks like and running things such as a build by partner analysis for the team. And really vetting vetting this out. So I think that's really interesting because you're also a strategic mind, but at the same time, you're working as an individual contributor in some respects. For sure. Which, yeah, you kind of go back and forth between that man- manager leadership role and IC role, for sure. Um, exactly. I'm just curious, how do you work with your CFO or like head of finance? Because you obviously have above average knowledge of, of these things. And you're doing a lot of those things yourself. What types of things do you work on with the finance team? I think it's really helpful that I have that background knowledge because I'm able to, I know what questions will come from the finance team. I'm able to anticipate those asks and really bring the information to the table ahead of time. So, you know, more working through a PL, for example, like where I'm able to say, like, I know what gross revenue is, I know what net revenue is, I know what OI is, all these fun financial terms. I don't really need a cheat sheet. That's just something that's ingrained in me. So it really helps enable the team to function efficiently because I'm able to translate these things in my own head and communicate them exactly to the finance team as needed rather than you know need to go through a middleman, which not only does that slow you down, but you might not be saying the right things through a translator in essence. And I think that's a good point because a lot of leaders, like good, like very experienced, informed leaders don't have that mechanism or don't have that template for here's how I'm going to need to frame up this decision. Here's how I'm going to need to frame up this request. And here's what information the CEO or CFO is going to need to approve that. And so I've had, I've had like C-suite executives be like, I need some more people. Like things are crazy. The phone is you know ringing off the hook. And it's like, that's not how you make your case. So you certainly like, that's the impetus for why you would uh, make a recommendation, but you have to be able to back up your request. And so I think what you're saying is you almost shortcut that that uh, communication or translation process for your team. 
Exactly. To your point of when there's a soundbite that comes in, soundbites can still be very valid, but it really helps to have that data behind it to really hammer your point home. Yeah. Okay. And then is there anything else where kind of your financial lens um, helped you in the role or even hindered you or just what what did that having that um, background and vantage point, um, how did that inform you as chief of staff? I would say, under, so to your point earlier about data, it's one thing to have like a, a data point in cell C42, but what does that mean to the business? And I think having that hybrid role of, okay, here, here's the data in cell C42, what does this mean? Like, what is the, in what context does the data apply to the business? Because you can look at data in the vacuum, it can tell you one story, but then you say, okay, here are the market forces, here's the business priorities, here's what our budget enables us to do. And you say, okay, based on what I know about every other facet of the business, each of the competing priorities, how can I best apply this data? And it's a very difficult process. Quite frankly, it takes time to get used to it. Like looking at data, what's valid, what's not valid. You can look at something and say, all right, this is what the numbers say, but maybe the numbers aren't right. And so you have to validate that having a good understanding of both finances and data to say, okay, here's the correct pieces of data. Here's the logic behind it. And then here's how I can apply it to the rest of the business. Yeah. And I think there's like a combination, right? So you you need the hard facts and data, and then you also can pair that with the anecdotal kind of stories and people mm-hmm. telling you like what's happening or what it feels like in their business. So I think I... I don't want my previous comment to discount that. I think you can and should have both, and it and it creates the the full picture. Um, what you know, you're you're going in all different parts of the business and at all different kind of levels of involvement or altitudes of involvement. How do you keep yourself organized? Like, what do you use to to manage your time? So that's really interesting because I used to consider myself very disorganized and years ago. And it's a very different world for me today, partly because out of necessity, I need to coordinate several different executives. Mm-hmm. And that means I need to have caught a single source of truth. We'll say, hey, here are decisions we made. Here's We're memorializing it and here's how we're moving forward. So I use Trello for myself. So I, that's how I organize my tasks. Like I'll have like a to-do list. I'll have a what's in progress and then I'll have what's completed. The reason I like that layout is because, you know, there's some things that are on deck that need to be done, but aren't important. That goes into do. In progress means like, hey, here are the key things I'm working on today. And it's like, what are my next steps? Do I need to reach out to an external vendor to complete a process? Do I need to align with the accounting team to make sure we're invoicing things properly? Um, being able to capture that inside of my Trello board is really key. And then last but not least, I get to look at the things that I've worked on and completed. And... You know, it's a, a bit of a record of like, hey, what have I done before? Helping to keep myself straight and all right, here's what I worked on. Here's the value I brought to the business. And it's a point of record, essentially. And then I can go back and say, okay, we had questions about that. What did we decide? How did we accomplish this? And be able to repeat that back to whether it's a fellow executive or to other members of the business as well. And I would recommend that to anyone, right? So, you know, there's lots of different um, note-taking apps or kind of ways to organize your time. But make sure you have kind of an archive of what you completed because you can go back for reference. First of all, like, wait, what did we talk about six months ago? Like, what were the main points of that conversation? Oh, yeah. Um, And then also when you're saying, you know, I do dozens and dozens of things as chief of staff, let me remind myself, you know, when I'm having, you know, certain types of conversations with my boss and uh, future career, like having a having a database of like, oh, yeah, let me just pull from my Trello board or or another another tool. So that's, that's awesome. And then um, 
Do you find it so like chiefs of staff have to keep themselves organized and also the rest of the team? And so are there ways uh, that you found where, okay, this person to keep this person organized, um, I have to do it this way, or this other person operates in a slightly different working style. And so I got to switch it up over here. I can't apply the same thing across the board. Yes, you definitely hit the nail on the head. I'll have certain members of the executive team where the best way to communicate with them is via Slack. Like they're extremely responsive. The moment I send them a Slack message, I'll get a reply within two minutes. And I'm like, all right, that's the best avenue of communication. And here's how I can ensure things get done and how I memorialize them with this member of the team. And then other other executives, they'll be better at email, for example. So I use email communication. And it's really learning like what are their preferences, how to best work with them. And something I use to keep the team as a whole organized, we have caught what we call an action item tracker. So I'll say like, hey, here, here are the key items that we need to follow up on, assigning them out and tracking the progress with each of, whether it's a group, members of the group or an individual saying, hey, here's where we are today. This is in progress. This is completed. Here are some status updates that we can bring to the rest of the team. I find it super valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's something we can all point to as a source of truth and make sure that we're aligned on key issues. So we're all singing off the same sheet of music, um, even if it might be off tune. We're trying to sing um, the same song. Got it. Who were some of your greatest influences or role models in your career, in your life, or kind of that shaped you or you learned like, oh, that one comment just like changed my world? So I could point out to two main figures, the first person being my first boss at Zigo. She was our director of product marketing. And I learned so much from her because, for example, like creating presentations like that as a method of getting information across. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you, there's there's throwing words on a slide and and expecting information to cross or understanding here the needs of the audience. How do I tailor my information to needs of the audience in order to get that info across, make sure they retain it? So I really appreciate her way of approaching these things um, in a methodic manner and going step-by-step, step, understand, okay, there's a lot of information coming in. Let's take a deep breath, organize it, and then send it out to the team. And then I would say someone else I've really learned a lot from was actually the previous chief of staff. Yeah. And so he he moved on to take a leadership position at the at the company. And then I was able to assume that position and was really great, you know, learning from him, bouncing ideas off and say, hey, like as a chief of staff, what were some of your struggles? How can I anticipate them? and make sure that I'm bringing the most value I can to the team. So it's really great when you take someone's role and they're still there for you to ask questions. Yeah, so. for sure. It helps with the transition. Exactly. Cool. But I really appreciate getting that information. That sounds like you have two like really strong, like direct role models at your company. So that's fantastic. A lot of people are kind of dropped into the chief of staff role. It's like swim. It's like, okay. So uh, I think you were, I think you were set up well, it sounds like. Um, what, what type of advice would you have? I'll do a, a two-part question. So what advice would you have for someone coming into the chief of staff role and then also an executive or principal who is about to get a chief of staff on, on their team? I love that question. So I'll start with the first piece. So advice for someone stepping into the role, I would say you need to be really open to feedback because when you work with a lot of different members of the team, they might have competing priorities or they might say like, hey, here's how I prefer to have things done. And if you're used to doing things one way, because say, if you're working for a product team, like, okay, I know product likes to get information in one way. And you're so used to doing that. 
and you don't change to say suit an operations team or suit a success team, you're not doing a great job of setting those executives up for success. And so being open to their feedback, learning to adjust on the fly, is extremely valuable. You should be able to break yourself down in certain ways in order to be successful, to unlearn bad habits or, you know, learn new good habits as well. So I would say that's a key piece of advice. And also communicate, communicate, communicate. It's so important because you need to make sure everyone's aligned. And I feel like a pitfall that chief of staffs can run into is like, oh, they will talk to someone and say, okay, the ball's in their court now. You need to be persistent following up. You need to put on that project manager hat in some regards and say, hey, just be really tenacious and figure out what my next step is, what the answer is, and then move moving the process forward. Awesome. Yes. And for for like a as let's say a CEO who's never had a chief of staff before, are there any just kind of guidelines or pieces of advice where like, hey, here's how you want to maximize this role? So I would say some of the similar things, but in reverse almost. So if if you're a CEO and you're getting a chief of staff, I'd say be really open to their input because they bring a unique view to the business that you know, you things you might not have thought of, or they bring a different way of thinking to the team. And that's some of the main value because there's very little value in bringing a sound, um, call it a yes man or right. Like you don't want that. You want a sounding board to say, Hey, here's my idea as a CEO. What are your thoughts on it based on your holistic knowledge of the business, how every facet of the company operates? And I feel that's where chief staff can bring really great insights. And it's not to say, oh, you should listen to the chief of staff over your own instincts every time. But there are some things that might give you pause and you think, okay, I didn't really think about it in that way. How can I incorporate my new knowledge into the strategic priorities of the business? How can I then shift strategy based on these little minute details that I might not have picked up on? And I think it's the you have a diverse skill set um, and alignment on values. So it sounds like, hey, I want different perspectives and I want more brain power going into solving these problems. I want to make sure I trust this person and you know we're operating the business in the same way, meaning with integrity and all of those all of those things. But just getting another set of eyes on the business can uh, can be helpful, which is something that I wholeheartedly agree with and actually experienced as chief of staff myself. So, um, you know, my my CEO was very financial minded and came at things through the lens of a spreadsheet. He was like, self, you know, C42 is like how I see things. And I was like, people, process, yay. So we came at things very differently, but it complemented each other. And I and we were able to soundboard ideas um, and just see things from just such different angles. And like, oh, I wouldn't have even picked up on that. Or it's like, oh, Emily, I wouldn't have even thought of that. So I think someone you can do, you can do that with. And then in terms of, you know, it sounds like your company and your principal were pretty supportive, but in terms of setting you up well um, and like maybe giving you access to things or just setting expectations, is there anything that worked well for you there? Yeah, so... I was, able, I was able to connect with the previous chief of staff and talk about, hey, what are your day-to-day duties? And, you know, he essentially wrote our process guide, like, hey, here are the things I do from a day-to-day level. And then here are things that I keep track of from a long, longer term, 30, 60, 90-day horizons, what happens on a quarterly basis, what happens on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Having essentially that instruction manual is really great. And I was able to pick up things, you know, right where they left off and execute on them flawlessly. I was able to refer to previous examples of how the work was done and then add my own, you know, spin on spin or my own take on these resources. It's like, okay, here's a process. Here's how we've done it before. 
Here's what I like about it. Here's what I'll keep. And then here's what I want to add in that's a little new to bring additional value to the business. So a reference is great. It doesn't need to be prescriptive. Gotcha. Okay. And as we round out here, any other just pieces of advice or kind of mottos you live by or guidance you live by or like tactical, you know, hey guys, check out Trello or check out this cool tool because it's been a lifesaver. Is there anything, last parting wisdom you would share with people? So I would say a resource that's been really helpful for me was the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Love you probably that heard book. it. Love that book. I think one, like one thing that's really helped me do is give well, candid feedback to other people and be open to receiving that same type of feedback. It's, it really helps a team when you say, hey, here's what I think you're doing really well. And I'm comfortable communicating with you on things that you can improve on. Because if you, if you don't point out someone's blind spots, they're just going to keep trucking along. That's not really helpful to either of you because the way you work together hasn't improved and they're not improving themselves as well. And vice versa, when you give feedback like that, you make yourself much more open to receiving that kind of feedback where you can improve yourself and develop yourself and being able to learn basically how Kim Scott puts it to not deliver feedback like a jerk was extremely helpful for me and being really comfortable with doing so. I love that book. And it, it's I, I read a Harvard um, business review study that said 92% of people want negative criticism when delivered the right way. So it, mm -hmm. it, they think it helps them get better when they get that feedback. And so they're hungry for it, 92%. And that is, uh, Radical Candor is literally one of my top 10 books for leaders. And I love that part in the book where she says, I know it can be like uncomfortable to give feedback, but think about it like you're telling someone their fly is down. Like, sure, it's a little bit awkward at the beginning, but you're helping them. And of course, they want to know that information and you're going to deliver it and like, you know, not going to point across the room and shout like, hey, so-and-so, um, you know, your, your barn door is open or something like that. But it is pulling them aside and saying, hey, like, you know, your flies, your flies undone. And so I always kept that image in mind where when I was tempted to not give feedback, right, because I don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable or I don't want to be mean or whatever. I was always like, let me keep that in mind. Like if I if I had something in my teeth or something like that, I would want someone to tell me. So yeah, love, love, love that book. Very cool. Well, great resource, Eric. And thank you so much for dropping some gems of wisdom here. And I just want to thank you again for, for being on the show and sharing your experience as chief of staff. Thanks so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.